I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's going to be three weeks of me just crying through videos over and over. And Pastor John, he, they gave me a little bit. They're like, tell us something about Michael. And, and he said, he's very emotional. <laughs> and that's true. It's just the tip of the iceberg that you'll see in the next few weeks. But I'm so excited to be back with you in person, whether you're with us in our physical location or whether you're watching online. We are so excited that you have chosen to make Riverside a part of your weekend. And we're going to get into God's Word in just a little bit. But before we do that, I was with somebody just on Friday, and they were relatively new to the church. And they said, so how long have you been the pastor here? And I said, nine months, but it feels like nine years, yo. And as we were sitting there kind of talking together, they were, they were asking, you know, what have been some of the wins? You know, we talk in our team about wins and wrinkles. Wins are things that are going well. Wrinkles are some things that we're working through. And see, at about this time last year, the Dream Center, as Josh said, Dream 2020, the Dream Center has exploded. It's incredible to see the vision that God gave to Pastor John many, many years ago and to see how that has grown to impact our community like no other. But about a year or so ago, Andy and the team came to us and said, hey, we're kind of outgrowing our area. We need a few more offices because we are building up a team to impact this city like never before. And what that allowed us to do is that move Pastor Sam, who you saw on the video, and his worship and creative teams, we had no longer space for them at our offices at the Dream Center. And so we relocated them. They have a beautiful space right over here to my right. Well, as we continued to go throughout the year, things were swimming just fine, and then COVID happened. And so everything shifted, as you know, to online experiences. Even our team, we went like many of you, and we became adept at Zoom calls. And when we came back, back to our offices in June, there were new protocols in place. Just like here in the church, we couldn't get together. Our conference room, our meeting areas that we were generally in were off limits because we were trying to combat COVID. And so we shifted a bunch of our meetings over here to the church. And it was great. We used that, that amazing cafe that you get to be a part of every single week. And we just found spaces and it was great. We loved it. But the thing that I wasn't aware of that caught me off guard as a leader, as many of us were moving our day-to-day -day activities more over here, we had about two or three of our staff members that were spending many time of the day back in the offices of the Dream Center by themselves. And can I tell you what started to happen? When the devil finds an opportunity, he will take it every single time. Have you seen that in your life? Well, what the devil started to do is he came to these two, three incredible team members of ours and say, hey, I don't think you're really that important. I think they don't even miss you when they're gone. Should you even stick around here anymore? And I found out about that. And I started to meet with these individuals, key members of our team. And I said, hey, this can't happen anymore. You're here for a purpose. God has big plans for you. Let's pray about what this looks like. And so as we continued to pray over the last couple of months as a leadership team, as we started to pray with our elders, it became very, very clear that we needed to move our offices from Dream Center here to the church. So why am I telling you that? Because over the next few weeks, we are going to have 
all of our team under one roof again. So as we speak, we have an incredible maintenance team, and we are shifting our offices, most of us, to this what we call the North Tower, right to my left. We're working on those. If you've never been up there, come see us in the next few weeks. But I want to tell you, before you get it twisted, we are committed to Dream Center Peoria like none other. As Pastor Josh said, we are so excited to be one of over 100 locations throughout this community that gets to partner to be a part of Dream 2020. If you have not signed up yet, can I encourage you right now, disregard anything I'm saying, go online to riversidepeoria.com, go on the Church Center app under events and sign up today because we want to see you here next week. See, we're committed to Dream Center in the years to come. See, you may not even know, when we talk about generosity as our privilege, a portion of every single dollar you give goes directly to Dream Center. Four percent. So for every hundred dollars you give, automatically four dollars goes right to Dream Center. Can I tell you, we love Dream Center so much that we give more to them than we do all other missions partners combined around the world. That's how much we believe in the vision that God gave Pastor John all those years ago. And see, just like we believe the best is yet to come here at Riverside, we are praying nothing but blessing over the next chapter of Dream Center Peoria. So will you partner with us? Will you continue to give? Will you continue to support? And will you continue to pray for the amazing work that Andy and Steve, and Michelle, and the entire team are doing at Dream Center day in and day out. Well, today, as you know, we're in week four of a series that we're calling Tis So Sweet. Tis So Sweet. It's all about those hymns of old, those hymns that maybe you grew up with and I grew up with. And in the summer of 1864, that summer, there was a woman named Alvina Hall. And Miss Hall, she found herself in her normal Sunday spot. She was in the choir loft at the Methodist Episcopal Church in Baltimore. And that morning, as the pastor was preaching, her mind drifted to that familiar story of Jesus on the cross. Her mind drifted to that image of a hill with three crosses. And Jesus carrying his cross up there. Jesus being crucified on that cross, and she couldn't get it out of her head. She kept coming back to that word, tetelestai. Tetelestai, we often translate that to, it is finished. But back then, that word often doubled as an accounting term. Oftentimes, once you paid a debt, a stamp would be taken out, and they would put tetelestai. Not only it is finished, but paid in full. See, that was exactly what the death of Jesus Christ accomplished. Your debt was paid in full. And Miss Hall, that morning, she took out her hymn book. She turned to a blank page in the front of that hymnal, and she started to jot down some words. And as that pastor droned on and on and on, you can't relate. By the time the service was over, she handed it to her pastor, and he opened it up, and inside became the words, 
to the familiar hymn that we sang this morning, Jesus paid it all. See, that hymn, Jesus paid it all, became what we're all about. In paying it all, I believe there's three things this morning, three things that Jesus did. And I encourage you every single time that we're together, on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, to take notes. Because for some of you, this may be a now message. That even now, God is going to speak to you in these initial few moments. But for some of you, it may be a down-the-road message. There's things that God spoke to me from Pastor John four or five years ago that I go back in my office, I pull out my journal, and I look at it, and it wasn't a word for me years ago. It was a right-on-time word today. You see, the first thing that we see Jesus do is he sacrificed. He sacrificed. See, just a few days before his death, Jesus is with the disciples, and he tells them that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom. We see that a lot of times in movies, but what it comes down to, a ransom, what I believe, is receiving and releasing. What that actually means is I'm receiving something and I'm releasing something out. What it means is that I'm giving something up to give something else in return. So you need to know today in our first few moments together that you were bought with a high price. God sent his only son and parents that are in this room and watching online, imagine that. I have three incredible kids, but I cannot imagine of ever willingly wanting to give up my life for them. See, but that's what God did. God knew his one and only son See, can I tell you this morning, because of his sacrifice, you were freed from your sins. Because of God sending his son to the cross, listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. See, can I tell you this morning, his sacrifice bought your security. See, you're sitting here today, and I'm secure that if my life ends today, I know where I'm going. Because it is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That I don't worry about when my life is going to end. I don't sit here in fear because I'm secure in knowing that Jesus paid it all. See, during his third missionary journey, we spent a lot of time talking about Paul. But Paul, he stayed in a place called Corinth for about a year and a half. And it's here where we believe that Paul wrote the book of Romans that we see in the New Testament. And the message he was sending to the Roman people was very clear. God's righteousness through Christ Jesus. See, not too long ago, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness— it's right living. It's right thinking. Remember Ephesians 4 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. See, what Paul was saying is that righteousness could not come from obeying the law of Moses, but rather by putting your faith in Christ. It was different from the Old Testament law of Moses. And you see, in the book of Romans— Righteousness and faith are two big deals. 
If you read the entire book of Romans, you will see that Paul mentions righteousness 66 times, and he mentions the word faith 62 times. See, I wrote in my notes that righteousness doesn't come from our ongoing work of the law, but from the finished work of Jesus. It's already been done for you. It's the finished work of Jesus. See, you started the book of Romans in the very first chapter, and Paul paints a bleak picture right from the start. He says that we are all born slaves to sin. We're all born slaves to sin. Can I tell you right now, none of y'all are perfect. Y'all mess up. I was with somebody not too long ago, and I said, how are things going? They're like, it's perfect. My life is good. Well, hallelujah. Like, I'm, yeah, I don't ever do anything wrong. My life is perfect. My family's perfect. I got a nice car. I don't ever do anything wrong. God is good. And I'm like, can't relate. It's in those moments, I don't even know what to say. Like, Holy Spirit, give me the words, because this person's lying right through their teeth to me. Because listen, Rachel will tell you, I don't have it all together. Four weeks ago, we were at Disney World. I'm not proud of this. I'm going to preface it by saying I'm not proud. Start your emails. We're at the Magic Kingdom, the most magical place in the world. You're waiting to drive your car into the parking lot. The line into the parking lot is longer than the line for Space Mountain. That ain't right, y'all. And you clearly knew it was going from two lanes to one because there's a big, bright sign saying, Merge right now. And so I merged 600 feet back. Well, this guy over here didn't quite get the memo because he tries to merge right in front of me. And I go, look at that guy. He's such a boop. Now, some of y'all in your head are already thinking, what did he say? I'll just tell you, and it in bag. It's not that bad, bag. And then here's what happened because I'm such a sinner. My 10-year-old son repeated it. And then Rach gave me that look like, oh, I cannot believe you just said that. Now our son is going to go to church next Sunday, and he's going to say that word. What kind of dad do you think you are? But see, we're all born into sin. We all do stuff that we're not proud of. Things come out of our mouth. We don't make time for the Lord. See, we're all born sinners. See, Romans 3, 9 and 10, it says, We have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. See, what Paul is saying is that your future isn't about adhering to the law, but aligning to the Lord. That's where your future is. When you hold tight to Jesus. See, most of these first 11 chapters of Romans are all about the sacrifice of Jesus for us. But as you read, I believe there are four sacrifices that Paul outlines that we can make in response. I believe that his sacrifice should lead to our sacrifice. Because in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, it says, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. See, can I tell you very briefly, I believe there are four sacrifices we can make. The first one, it's the sacrifice of our lips. 
It's the sacrifice of our lips. Did you see here? Paul, he chose to worship. So you go back to Romans chapter 1, and Paul says that they knew God, but they wouldn't worship God or even give him thanks. Instead, it said they chose to worship idols that looked like people, birds, animals, reptiles. Can I tell you what they did? They chose to worship the creature over the creator. And when they did that, it had catastrophic consequences. They chose to worship a man-made idol over the one true God. And it goes on to list in chapter 1. Here's what happened. It led to sin, greed, hate, murder, deception. It's like a season of Grey's Anatomy right there in Romans chapter 1. One thing after another. But it goes on to say that God abandoned them. And their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Can I tell you this morning, I don't want God to abandon me. I don't want God to leave me. I want God to lead me. And that begins with a posture of worship, posturing my heart, living with a sacrifice of praise on my lips every single day. See, you continue on, and it goes on to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, plead, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, I believe the second thing we see here is a sacrifice of our lives. It's a sacrifice of our lives. This passage is all about bringing everything I have. It's not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the Word of God. It's having my time in here. Lord, allow me to listen to you. Speak to me. See, that word transformed comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. See, I was a third grade teacher. And about this time of year, we would have uh, these butterflies. We would bring in cocoons. We would have these caterpillars in here. And we would watch the process. And the process, every single time, it started with an egg. It started off very simple. And then that egg, in the life cycle, it would then change into a caterpillar. And then that caterpillar would go into a place, the next step, called a pupa. And the pupa, you would continue to sit there, and we would stare at it. We would watch it every single day. You see, in that chrysalis, it was undergoing transformation. It was undergoing metamorphosis. It was undergoing change. So when it came out of that chrysalis down the road, can I tell you, when we saw that butterfly come out, it looked different. It came out stronger. It was flying. It was soaring to new heights than we ever expected, than we ever thought possible. Can I tell you, 2020 has felt like a year of pupa. You feel like you might have been pupa'd on, actually. 
See, we're in this place and we're in October now. We're ready, but can I tell you, when I think about that life cycle of a butterfly, see, pupa is preparation. That chrysalis is a catalyst to launch you into whatever is coming next. See, we can look back on 2020 and talk about how bad it was, how awful it was. And yes, it was terrible in so many things. But can I tell you, God is doing something new in me. God is doing something new in this church. God is doing something new in this community. And see, we're in this pupa stage. See, I wrote down, I don't believe that 2020 was meant to strangle you, but 2020, God meant it to strengthen you. God is preparing you for what comes next. See, I was with somebody and they said, I feel like I've been cheated out of a year. Everything I thought was going to come, I feel like God has cheated me. Can I tell you as a word from the Lord today, I don't believe that God used 2020 to cheat you, but I believe God is using 2020 to change you. See, Paul goes on and he talks about the various gifts. Romans 12.8. Romans 12.8, it says, if your gift is giving, give generously. See, the third thing I think we see here is the sacrifice of our loot. See, this may be the toughest of all, the sacrifice of our lips. Michael, I can praise. Michael, I can even give up my life. I can give my time over to Jesus. But my loot, ah, that's where I draw back. Generosity is not my privilege. Generosity is my priv. I'm not always a privilege. See, but Paul goes on to say, even in the next few verses, in verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. I stood on this platform a few weeks ago, and I challenged you to feed, fuel, and foster. And some of you signed up to feed. And can I tell you what happened? Patrick Coyle, I'm so excited. Friday night, Patrick leaves our street ministry. We got here, and we were a little bit late. And when I got here, there were people that I've never seen before that were serving this body. Can I tell you, by the time we were done, we had about 45 or 50 people that went down to Harrison Homes and just shared the love of Jesus, feeding people, giving groceries. We had groceries that were left over, and Patrick goes, hey, here's what I think. Can we drive under the bridge? And so we took a caravan of groceries, a caravan of believers, people that have made serving their priority. We went under the bridge, and listen, that is a whole community, a whole population living in tents, and we were just able to share love with them. See, I believe that's biblical. I believe that's a biblical mandate. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. See, generosity is our privilege here at this church. Pastor Josh said it. God gave me the vision for the bus about a year ago. And I was like, I don't know how that's going to work. But what happened back in February, over the course of just one or two months, or one or two weeks rather, this church gave about $35,000.
and that's where, that's where Rach is right now. She didn't get up and leave because she didn't like my message. She got up because she's hopping on the bus with a team of bus hosts, and we are going to impact this community, impact this city like never, ever before. See, I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord continues to download vision to me for this church. And what it's going to look like in generation 2.5 of this church. And y'all, I'm not ready to share it yet until I clearly know this is the direction that God is showing us to go. But let me tell you, it's big. It's big. And I keep coming back to, Lord, I don't know. How's that going to happen? You're going to use me and all these messed up people? And that's when God reminds me, hey, our team value here at Riverside, one of our 10 is we pray bad prayers. We pray bold, audacious, daring prayers that God can do more than we could ever even think or ask or imagine. See, I'm excited to stand up here with you today, excited to see what God is going to do next and how he is going to use this body. But that's what I see. See, God is working on me. Let me tell you, I am more generous today than I've ever been before. And I'm not saying that to pat me on the back, because what does that mean? I'm going to be 43 years old next month. That means that about 42 years of my life, I've been straight up selfish. Straight up selfish. But God has been working on my heart. And I'll tell you, it's a struggle. Y'all know I love me some shoes. Y'all know October 31st, it's circled on my calendar. There are these beautiful Jordan 1s. They're called Dark Mocha Jordan 1s. Google it right now. You'll see what I'm talking about. They're beautiful. But can I tell you, the Lord continues to give me opportunities to just be generous to people. You know, I, I, I love shoes, but I love people a lot more. And so he will continue to let me know stories about what it, what's going on in people's lives. Whether it's hardships, whether it's the loss of jobs, whether it's, hey, we're going through this right now, and we don't have enough money to pay for this. Can I tell you, one of my favorite things to do, I was talking to Carla and Pastor Dana about it just the other day. There is nothing I love better is to take a card, go withdraw some money, stick it in an envelope, and send it to that person. Y'all, it brings me such joy. I don't get anything out of it. I'm not telling you, oh, look, he's amazing. No, y'all, 42 years, I was selfish. But God is doing a work in my life. See, if I'm more concerned about the souls on my shoes than the souls in the city, listen, I'm doing it wrong. But God has given me a vision to see people the way he sees them. See, people are a passion isn't just something we want to put on the back of the bus. No, that's who we want to be as Christ followers. We want to love people where they are. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't even belong here. I don't fit in here. Yes, you do. Welcome home. We love you. And I'm so glad that God brought you here today. I just got way off my notes. That's okay. But if we continue on in Romans 12, verses 9 through 10, it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. See, the fourth thing I think we see here from Paul is a sacrifice of our love. 
a sacrifice of our love. And I think there's so many of us that we look for satisfaction. We look for validation from a job, a title, an accomplishment, even from a church. Can I tell you, all of those things will let you down. We as a church, we will let you down. Your boss will let you down. Your family, your spouse, your kids, we will all let you down. But you know the one person who will never let you down? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he will never let you down. See, I wrote down, instead of trying to find a place where everyone loves you, look for a place where you can love everyone. How about that? The season that you're in, the job that you're in, the school that you're in right now, what if you show up tomorrow and you just love people? You love people who are unlovable. See, why do we do that? Because again, I keep coming back to it. We're following Jesus' example. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, when I look at that scripture, love was defined by giving. And did you hear that? God so loved the world. God didn't just love the people that belong to a certain political party. God does not just love the people that agree with you. God does not just love the people who act like you. See, God loves everyone. And so many times in this culture, we turn our backs on the people who look differently than us, who live differently than us, who love differently than us. And when I get in the scripture, I can't help but be reminded about Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, he goes on to say, Love the Lord your God, first and greatest commandment. And then he follows it up. And sometimes we forget this. It says, The second and equally as important, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. See, it comes down to that. And sometimes people don't, Michael, you talk about love all the time. Yes, because that's what God is. God is love. And if we could get our hearts right towards one another, can I tell you the bitterness, the backfighting, the stupid crap that we all post on socials, we could move on from that if it just came down to love one another. So this week, can I challenge you? Let it be a sacrifice of your lips, a sacrifice of your life, a sacrifice of your loot, and a sacrifice of your love. See, as we keep going, the second thing I see here is that Jesus not only sacrificed, but Jesus suffered. When you read through the Gospels, we're reminded of Jesus' story. You read through here, and he was betrayed by Judas. He was denied by Peter. He goes to trial. They b release Barabbas. They said, we'd rather have him go free than Jesus. And he's beaten. And he's turned over to the Roman guards, and he's led to his eventual crucifixion. But see, none of this caught Jesus by surprise. So you go back into Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, it was already prophesied over 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
jump down to verse 12. So I will give him a share among the mighty, and he will divide the prize with the strong, because he poured out his life in death, and he was counted with sinners. He carried the sins of many. He intercedes for those who are rebellious. Anybody rebellious in this place today? Anybody trying to do it on their own, turn it away from God? I've been there. I'm there right now. I continue to say I'm a work in progress. But when I look at those passages, it says it was like written out. This was a Michaelism before they even knew 700 years before. He was pierced. He was punished. And he was poured. He was poured out. See, when I read those scriptures, I think of the scourging of Jesus. See, the scourging of Jesus, it was this incredibly painful torture where Jesus had a whip and it had all these leather tails on it. And oftentimes there was glass or bone or pottery attached to the end of it. It was designed to whip someone and rip the flesh. So only their muscles were exposed. See, crucifixion was the most extreme form of torture. It was a place, it was a humiliation, it was an execution, a death reserved for the most lowly, the most worthless of society. The cause of death in crucifixion was generally suffocation. Because your hands are nailed to the cross and the weight of your body causes you not to be able to breathe. Causes you not to be able to properly inhale and exhale. And as Jesus is on that cross for the next six hours, every single breath he would have taken would have been excruciating. See, it's the worst experience in human history. But can I tell you today, Jesus chose to go to the cross for you and for me. He chose to take our suffering upon him. See, today, we normally do communion in a different time. But as I was reading it, it just came and I thought, this is a great time to just do communion together. To remember the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross. And as you came in today, you should have gotten a little communion cup. See, and if you peel off the top layer, you have a wafer. See, we here at Riverside, we don't believe that this is Jesus' body. We don't believe that changes into Jesus' body. But we believe it symbolizes. And here at Riverside, we do communion at least once a month. And I'll tell you, we don't do it just out of ritual. We do it out of remembrance. It's a way to remember the suffering that Jesus took on the cross for each and every one of us. See, this represents the body of Christ. His bones that were crushed for you and for me. See, it goes on to say is that they struck him on the head with a reed stick. They spit on him. They dropped to their knees in mock worship. They nailed him to the cross. They broke his bones. They scoffed at him. See, he took the punishment that you and I deserved, and he took it upon himself. See, in just this solemn moment, will you take that wafer, that piece of bread, 
And remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross. See, then it goes on if you continue peeling back that second layer. We have juice. Represents the blood of Jesus. See, it goes on in Scripture and it says, there was a spear. And they went right through his side and it said, all the blood of Jesus was spilt. The blood of Jesus was spilled on the cross for you and for me. It was the most horrific death imaginable. But can I tell you, that's how much love Jesus has for you. That he endured the worst possible death on the cross. His bones were broken. His blood was shed for you and for me. And in this moment, as you take that cup, will you remember the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for you on that cross? See, I believe that Jesus' pain led to your purpose. It's through Jesus' death on the cross that we can come as believers, messed up people who fall short, but there's redemption at the foot of the cross. See, everything is a level playing field at the foot of the cross. No matter what you came in today, whether you have it all together or you're barely holding it together right now, it's a level playing field right here. See, in Isaiah 63, 9, it says, In all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. See, when I read that, I believe that God is personal, he's passionate, and he's persistent. See, he's personal. He sees you. Scripture says he knows every single hair on your head. You matter to him. You matter to him. See, he goes on to say he's passionate. He's passionate about you. He's passionate about your future. See, he doesn't write you off when you do something wrong. No, he wants to write you back in. He wants to bring you close and see he's persistent. See, you may have run away from Jesus, but can I tell you this morning, he's running closer to you and he's trying to invite you back. He's persistent. He's going after you time and time again. See, can I tell you, when I read this passage, it says he lifted them up. He carried them in all their suffering. He also suffered. See, you need to know today that he is with you in your suffering. Whatever you're walking through right now, it says he is with you and he carried them through all the years. Take off the S. I think he is carrying us throughout this year. See, there are so many times where I felt like I couldn't go farther. What else is happening? Lord, we have to shut down our facility again and every single time. 
God's like, no, I have a plan. Let me pick you back up. I'm carrying you through the year. See, that's a word for somebody in here. You want to sit down and say, I'm not moving forward anymore. But God is saying, no, I'm coming. I'm picking you up and I'm carrying you through this season. I'm carrying you through this year. I know there's a finish line on the other side of what you're going through. See, my daughter, when she was young, she loved these things called puffs. And we couldn't afford the Gerber puffs. We had the parents' choice puffs from Walmart. And the girl, I think she got more on the floor than she actually got in her mouth. And every single time when she was done, periodically through the day, I would come and I would clean up her mess. I would come and pick up her crumbs. See, why did I do that? Because I love my daughter. I'm here for you. I'm going to help you clean up your mess. Can I tell you today? That is the same as your heavenly father does to you. He gets down on the ground. He gets in your mess and he starts to wipe up your crumbs because he loves you. Can I tell you, I use this phrase crumbs a lot. What do I mean by crumbs? Crumbs are the crap in your life. We're going to spell it out for you. What do I mean by crumbs, Michael? Crumbs, it's the crap that's in your life. It's the stuff that you deal with time and time again. It's the stuff that you can't get freed from. It's that. R, it's rebellion. See, I believe the Lord meets us in our rebellion. See, we run away from him, and it just means he runs even faster to catch up to us. When I run in the other direction, he's like, no, 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 no. I am the Usain Bolt of saviors. I'm going to chase you down. You're never going to outrun me. I'm a gold medal God. See, he meets us in our crap. He meets us in our rebellion. He sweeps up our ugliness. Can I tell you today, sometime I'm really ugly. When my flesh comes out, when I'm tired, I don't spend time in God's word. And God says, no, I can clean up your ugliness. That doesn't scare me away. You push me away, I just come and I tackle you even harder. See, he comes and sees us in our mistakes. The times that we drop the ball. The times this morning that walking in, you feel like I don't even belong here because you know the mistakes that I did this morning or the mistakes I did last night. Or, Michael, we weren't together for two weeks. And guess what? I went crazy. Can I tell you, God comes on your level and he sweeps up your mistakes. He sweeps up your mistakes. He sweeps up your baggage, the stuff that you carry on, the stuff that you know you did and you can't let it go. God said, hey, I don't care about any of this. I can swipe that away. You're carrying it and you're trying to hold on to it and you can't let it go and it's weighing you down. And God is saying, no, I come with your baggage. I can take that. See, it ultimately comes down to us and he says, I sweep away your sins. I clean up your sins. And let's be real. Sometimes we say, I made mistakes. I did something wrong. No, what you did is you sinned right there with you. And God comes at the foot of that cross. And when we come to him and when we confess to him, he comes and he is the ultimate father. He comes down and he sweeps up 
all of our mess. He sweeps up all of our crumbs. You see, in our last few moments together, he sacrificed and he suffered. So ultimately, the last thing, he could save us. He sacrificed, he suffered, and he saved. It goes on to echo back to the prophecy in Isaiah. In Matthew, we see here, talking about that prophecy back in the Old Testament. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public or on social media. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. See, hope, that's what so many of us are clinging for. We're looking for hope. It's hard to find. In this society, in this culture today, we're desperate for hope. But can I tell you where you find hope? It's in the man named Jesus Christ. That is our hope. And if you're looking for hope in your spouse, if you're looking to find hope in your boss, if you're looking to find hope in the White House, can I tell you, they will always let you down. We find hope in the man named Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, he died as an act of love. An act of love for you and for me, no matter how crummy our life gets. See, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Put your name in there. Christ died for Michael. Christ died for Christina. Christ died for Pam. Christ died for Chris. See, Christ died for you. See, I wrote down the depth of God's love for you should be matched by the devotion of your love for God. See, I'm devoted to him more than ever before. No matter what comes my way, I'll hold tight to scripture. See, normally death is the end. When something dies, it can normally not come back to life. But when I look in scripture, that's not how it works with Jesus. See, his death actually led to life. If that's not worth being excited about, his death caused you to have eternal life one day if you would just accept what he's saying. See, about two and a half weeks ago, I was working at home on a Wednesday. A Wednesday is my, my day I prepare and this day was crazy. I just had people call in and I was meeting with people and it just wasn't a normal Wednesday for me. And we had a dear couple of this church, Tanya and Tracy. And they called in, they talked to Pastor Dana and Pastor Dana got a hold of me. And she said, hey, Tanya and Tracy are having to make a life and death decision about their grandchild. Would you have time to go up and see them at the hospital? I said, yeah, I'll be there. And as I was driving, Rach dropped me off. And as I walked in preparing, what am I going to say to this family, this mom and dad? They stopped me and they said, hey, there's just a few things that you need to know before you walk in there. Um, the mom's story keeps changing. The baby went in um, choking, 
was life flighted from Pekin to here at, at the Children's Hospital. And, and the mom's story is changing and, and, and DCFS is involved right now. And they think the mom may have been a part of this. And in that whole time, I'm thinking, Lord, Holy Spirit, give me the words to say with this family that's trying to navigate through all of this. And I met mom and dad and they said, will you just come and, and pray for our baby? And as I masked up, I walked back there and there was this 11 month old baby. And I saw this mom and dad and I didn't know what the next chapter was gonna be like, but I knew it was gonna be hard. And I knew there were tears and I knew what was coming even before the parents knew what was going on. And I just prayed over this baby, prayed over this family. And I watched this dad hold on to the hands of his young 11 month old daughter. And as I got back in the car, Rach picked me up, I lost it. I lost it. And just a few hours later, they made the decision to, to take this young girl on life support, take her off life support. And just about 24 hours later, the circumstances surrounding this hit the news media. And exactly seven days later, I did the funeral for this 11 month old girl, full of life. Family that had thought about her wedding one day, vacations, her first day at school. And as I met with the dad, as we made funeral preparations, I'll never forget what he said. And I wrote it down in my journal so I would never forget it. He said, Michael, I've never believed in God before. But as you prayed, I just felt this peace as I held my daughter's hand. See, I think there's some of you here today that you've never experienced the peace of God. Your life seems chaotic, upside down. And you've never experienced that overwhelming peace that only Holy Spirit can give you, that only you can get from a relationship with Jesus. See, I believe every funeral is a chance to wake us up. I think every funeral is an opportunity, an invitation to get my life right with Jesus. And see, at that funeral, I shared the love of Jesus over and over and over again because I realized that may be the only opportunity that they ever know about the unfailing love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that may be the same for you today in this room or watching online. See, life is fragile. Life can be gone just like that. I've seen it time and time and time again in this body, in this community, even over the last nine months. Family members, best friends have been gone unexpectedly. And the reality is, is that I may not be here next Sunday. The reality is, is that God may take me home. 
And if this is the last time I ever stand on this platform, I want to go knowing that I shared the love of Jesus, the message of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for people like me and for people like you. It, the love of His, it knows no bounds. He's the ultimate Father that gets on His knees and He sweeps up the crumbs of your life. See, as I sat with that family and they told me about the 11 months they got to spend with their daughter, their granddaughter, their niece. They said, you know, we got to see her taking her first two steps. We got to hear her say her first words. And I said, can I tell you, take comfort today that that young girl is in heaven that that young girl is probably talking a mile a minute in the presence of her Savior. That that girl is not just taking one or two tentative steps. Can I tell you, she is skipping on streets of gold in the presence of her Heavenly Father. And as much as we would love her to come back, she doesn't want to. Perfect peace. And can I tell you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you and you feel I'm in a crummy situation right now. Yeah, I'm in the pupa stage of life. Can I tell you, when you hand it over to Jesus, he can do incredibly more than you could ever even imagine or hope or think. And so will you just bow your head, close your eyes. Some of you, this is a brand new experience for you. Stepping into church, hearing this, hearing about the unconditional love of a savior, of a father. But for some of you, you made a commitment years and years ago to Jesus. And your path has started to wander. You started not to sacrifice your life to him anymore. You've tried to pick it back up off the altar and do it yourself. And it's not going well. Can I give you the opportunity? See, all this week I've been praying for you. So I didn't know your name. I didn't even know if you would show up today. But I've been praying in anticipation of this morning because I believe there's at least one person in this service that God is speaking to you. He's getting a hold of your life right now and he's saying, I have something better for you. Just give me your life. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you today. With no one looking, will you just raise your hand if that's you today? If you've been the one that I've been praying for all week, you're the one that has been anticipated being here today. I see you. Church today, will you pray with me? Repeat after me. And if you're my dear friend, I want you to pray this from your heart. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for taking the punishment that I deserve. And today I invite you into my heart. Take control of my life and make me white as snow. Today I declare 
to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you this morning that one that I prayed for, there's a man today in this room that is now walking out of here much different than the way he walked in. Can we celebrate together? See, and if that's you, or you're watching online today, or you're watching this in the days and weeks to come, we wanna partner with you. And the easiest way for us to stay in touch with you is to text the word yes to 309-518-1717 and someone from our team will be contacting you very, very shortly to walk through this journey together. Riverside, I love you. It is so great to be back in person with you. Before you leave today, if you would please pick up your communion cups to help out our hosts as they come in and disinfect. Our hosts will be down to dismiss you very, very shortly. If we can help you in any way, please let us know. Have the best week. I love you very much, and I'll see you soon.